0: So I want us to continue in our love letters. And uh, we continually, occasionally, we'll write each other love letters. Do you all do that in your house? Do you leave, like, leave notes on the counter or write things? How many people, like, you know, when the, the bathroom mirrors are steamed up and you write things on the mirror? You guys are missing a lot of fun. I'm telling you, has nobody ever told you this kind of stuff? So uh, well, we're going to continue in our, in our series here. And, and what we find out is that Paul is writing to the churches and, um, and one of the things that Paul, when he had his experience with Jesus, that all of a sudden he, he was a persecutor of the church, he hated the church, he hated Christians. As a matter of fact, history records that he was the person who held the garments, he held the coats while Stephen was stoned. But when he came into a relationship with Jesus Christ, his heart changed and he fell in love with the church. Now, you know, today, I think if we were honest about it, sometimes we feel like we can take pot shots at the church, and uh, that we can kind of attack the, the big C church, and not our local church, but we talk about, well, the church did this, and the church did that, and, and can I say that it really wasn't the church? There may have been people in the church that failed you, or hurt you, or did something wrong, but can I tell you, Jesus loves his church, amen? And Paul, the apostle of the church, and he was writing, he was pouring out his heart from the church. The scripture says in Colossians chapter 1, the last part of the last chapter, it said this. He said, Jesus we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we might present everyone mature in Christ. See, Paul looked out and in people that he did not even know, he's saying, I want you to be mature in Jesus. I want you to grow up in Jesus. How many people know there's a big difference between growing old and growing up? Amen? You ever, you ever met any of those people that have grown old but they haven't grown up? We won't call any names here. Don't be, I see a lot of elbows moving. I don't understand what's going on here, okay? But no, so Paul says, I want you to grow up, I want you to be fully mature, I want you to to not be lacking anything individually, because if you don't lack anything individually, then as a part of the church, then the church will be healthy, the church will be mature, and healthy things grow, amen? Amen healthy things grow. So we're going to look at three illustrations today that Paul uses to talk about the church. But before we do that, why don't we pray? Amen. Grab your neighbor's hand there if uh, they'll give you permission to do that. And uh, let's, let's pray. Father, we really do. We love you so much. God, I'm so thankful that we've had an opportunity to come together as the church as your people, to worship you. And, and God, we do. We worship you individually, but, but corporately we say you are our Lord, you are our King, you are our God, and we are honored. Come on, church, we are honored to be your sons and daughters, to be a part of the bride of Jesus Christ, to be a part of this church. And so, Father, we thank you that you do. You have a plan and a purpose, God, for your church to accomplish. Your purpose is in the earth. And so today, Today we say, God, have your way in us, in this church, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Amen. So we're going to look at three illustrations about the church. Um, actually, throughout Scripture, there are about a hundred different illustrations that represent the church. Now, I think that's a very loving thing of God to do. Is that He uses so many different illustrations because different people relate to different things, right? We don't all like the same thing. We don't all like the same food. We all, you know, so we um, we all do like Chick Fil A. That's why we'll all be here for parties with a purpose. Amen. Come on, can I get an amen? Amen. 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 Biggest one we've had today, right there. So. Uh, so let's, uh, let's jump in, okay? In Colossians chapter 2, verse 1, Paul says, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea who have not seen me face to face. So what Paul's saying here is he's saying, Listen, I'm writing a letter to the church at Colossae, but, but they don't even know who I am. And, and not only should this letter... Not only should... Excuse me. Not only should this letter be um, read to the church at Colossae, but also at the church at Laodicea. And so he's saying out all over these churches of Asia Minor, he says, I want this letter to be read because I care for each and every one of them. And I want to make one big point right here before we jump into our illustrations, okay, is that that he cared about people. He cared about churches that he had never even visited. Can I tell you, that's how our heart needs to be. We need to be people uh, and, and I hope you understand this. One of the statements you'll hear in our um, membership class next week is we're, we're a, a non-denominational church, but we're not a, we're not an anti-denominational church, and we're not in comp- competition with anybody. But we're partnering with all the churches. We have a care and a concern for for all the churches, churches right here in our community, and we pray for our churches. And we want we want God to do a great work in every church. Can I get an amen for that today? We 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 don't. It's not just A matter of one church succeeding and who cares about the rest. That's not the way it works. We care about our brothers and sisters down the road and across the street. We want want to see God's kingdom grow in every place that His gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is being preached. That the Lordship, that's the key to this whole book the Lordship, and not not just here locally, We, we care about churches all over the world our heart and you'll hear more about this is is more and more to be connecting with and going to churches all around the world. Today we're honored to have with us uh, Sergey and Savetta and Tanya. Hey guys, how are you all? Uh, everybody wave at Sergey and Savetta and Tanya. Go ahead and raise your hands right there wave at them. There you go. All right? We are g- glad to have them with us. They are uh, working with, camp, uh, with uh, Campus Crusade and Family Life Ministries and, and with the local churches there in Belarus, okay, um, a part of the Soviet Union. And, and, and as they've been describing to me, the, the pressure on the churches and the persecution on the churches is increasing and the walls are, are closing in on them. And can I tell you that, that, that you and I, Okay, if we have a heart for Jesus, we're going to have for a heart for the church around the world, and we're going to be praying for folks like them. We're going to be praying for our brothers and sisters in, in Belarus, and in, and in Romania, and in Honduras, and in, in Costa Rica, and India. We're going to be praying because we're all a part of the church. Amen? Amen. So Paul goes on, and he, he begins to describe, um, he begins to describe some things about the church. And The first thing that he uses to describe, the first illustration he uses to describe is a body, a body. And he describes a body so that we could be people who would live freely. In Colossians chapter 2 he says this, "...that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love to reach all the riches of the assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery which is in Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge." What Paul's saying here is that, that we are a body, That we are part of the body of Jesus Christ. And one of the things that he wants the body to have is a courageous heart. A heart that is encouraged to not lose heart. And church, I want to tell you today that we are not going to lose heart. No matter what, no matter who's in the White House, no matter who's in charge in our local government, no matter what the economic situation is, no matter what social conditions are, we're not going to lose heart because our confidence is not in the government, our confidence is not in the things of the world. Our confidence is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Can anybody say amen? Amen. So we're going to put our confidence in the Lord. We're going to have encouraged hearts. And he says that if we'll have encouraged hearts, then those encouraged hearts, one of the ways that that will manifest is that we will have love one for another. That we'll, uh, that we'll love each other in hardships and in difficult times. And, and when there's trials that are going on, we're not going to lose our faith, but we're going to unite together. We're going to come alongside each other in difficult times. Anybody here ever had a difficult time? We've all had difficult times. We've all had circumstances. We've all had situations where it's been rough, it's been tough, it's been, it's been a struggle. And Paul says, hey, that's why we need to be knit together. That's one of the words he says there. He says, I want you to be knit together. Does anybody know what knit together is? I'm not just talking about knitting, um, but, I, but something that's really bound together. When I, when I think about things that are bound together and wrapped together, I, I think about, about steel cable. Anybody ever seen those big bridges, you know? They have those expan- those uh, big, uh, what are they, those expansion bridges and those cable bridges and stuff. And, and if just one rope, if it was just one strand of metal, it would have no strength. But you know what it really is? It's one strand bound around another strand, and those strands are bound around each other. They are knit together and because they're knit together that strength there's a strength in them that will not allow them to be defeated will not allow them to be broken as a matter of fact the scripture goes on and says this it says if we will be knit together if our hearts are filled with the love of God filled with courage if we are walking together in unity if we are knit together then we will not be able to be disqualified or cheated of all of the rewards that God wants to give us, man, and that's what he says. He's got all kinds of things. He wants to give us wisdom, he wants to give us knowledge, he wants to give us understanding, he wants to fill us up, he wants to mature us so that we can accomplish His purposes. So Colossians chapter two verse eighteen says this it says, "Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism, worship of angels going on in, in detail about visions. Puffed up without reason by a sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body is nourished and knit together. Through its joints and ligaments, it grows with a growth that is from God. So, what's God's intention from the body, for the body? God's intention is that we grow. Now, how does this take place? He says, as we're knit together, as we're united together, so that no one could disqualify us. You know what this uh, this word disqualify? It it's kind of has a baseball a baseball, um, a baseball il- illustration, and and so I know this is painful for some people this morning. Uh, if you're a Houston Astros fan today, this has been a, it's been a, been a tough week, right? But uh, I see the I see Yankee fans raising their hands, which is I think is just blasphemous in church. I mean, you shouldn't be doing that. So, okay. But, but what it says is it's that you're being called out. You're being umpired. The umpire saying you're disqualified. You're not just out. You're disqualified from the game. You're not a part if you disconnect from the head. So the body, the only way the body can exist is if we're connected to the head. The good news is that Jesus Christ is the head of the body. And from him, strength flows. And from what he's accomplished on the cross and and what he did through his resurrection and what he does now, seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us, he's pouring strength into our lives so that we can grow, okay, with a growth that is from God. Now, how does he pour strength into us? The Bible here says it says that we are knit together through joints and ligaments. Okay? He warns us about asceticism, which is that's, that's self-denial, depending upon self. And what he's saying here is instead of depending upon self, we need to depend upon each other. Can I tell you today that every single person sitting here, if you're a believer, if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, you have something to give to the body. You have something to pour out to the body. You have something to share with the body. I mean, that's, that's how God, God made it. You see, in Romans, the scripture says this it says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we through the body, uh, through, we, so we through many, are one body in Christ, individually members one of another. Christ is our head, and each individual, each and every one of us is a part of the body. Can I tell you very, very plainly? What you are and what you have is needed in the body of Christ. And it's needed in this body. And, and you have a need to give. I'm telling you, when I when I hear situations and circumstances, how many people know that from week to week life changes? Yeah. I mean, this week and I certainly don't want to embarrass anybody, but this week there have been people in this church that are seated right here this morning that they've needed to know that people are praying for them, that they've faced some situations and they've had some things go on in their lives where they want to know that they're not standing by themselves. They're not standing alone, but they are knit together with people, with men and women of God who love and care for them. I mean, that's why we're here. And I'm here to tell you, for some of you that have received some tough reports this week and have gone through some difficult things and we had somebody, we have got somebody sitting here this morning that, that they went to the doctor just for a little situation and, and um, in the midst of that situation, the, a test was run and then another test and sent to a doctor and the doctor came back and said, hey man, you've got kidney cancer and you're going to be going in next week for surgery. How many people know that that quickly life can change? Does anybody realize that? But can I also tell you, how many people know this? How many people said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be praying for that person this week. Would you raise your hand if you say, I'm going to be praying for that person? Just look around. You're not standing alone today. I'm telling you, you're not alone in this situation. And God loves you and God cares about you. And God cares about the hurt and the pain of your life. And one of the ways that he shows that he cares is because he knits you together with other people. He makes you a part of a body. He makes you a part of, uh, of a body that, that wants to connect with you. There are people this week I've heard them say, I, I need a friend and I need some accountability in my life, and I need somebody that I can talk to, and I need somebody that I can have some fun with. Okay, I've said this repeatedly. I think we need to have more fun. Anybody? Don't miss parties with a purpose, right? We're gonna have some fun. So, all right, but I'm telling you, we we need to, there's gotta be a whole lot of connecting. Listen, love will connect us. Love will connect us. Amen. And we want to be connected so we can be healthy because healthy things grow. The second illustration that Paul uses is of a garden. Okay. And of a garden. And, and he, I think he does a garden. So not only, so like a, a body, you know, the body, we said we want to live freely. A garden, we want to live fruitfully. We want to bear fruit. Now, honestly, I'm not going to talk long about this because I'm probably the worst person in the world to talk about a garden. Uh, early, early in our marriage, I thought we needed something that represented some type of, everybody has a plant or something in their house. So Yvette and I, uh, we got a plastic lemon tree. And is, is that... <laughs> Doesn't everybody have a plastic lemon tree in their house? I just thought that was fashionable. And we killed it. I'm just... (laughs) Uh, you can come and look at my yard. I can't get grass to grow. I'm not, that's not our gift. My neighbor um, was giving me some instructions yesterday about how to make our grass better. And uh, if we, they said, you know, if you would water it and put fertilizer on it, then it would be nice and lush like theirs and a add a sprinkler system into their... They were just giving me all kinds of good counsel and wisdom. And I thought, nah, no, it's better the way it is. So, um, all right. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 says, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Remember, the whole context of this is Jesus as Lord. When we receive Jesus, he forgives our sins. We receive him as as Savior, but we receive him as Lord. We submit to him as Lord of our life. He says, so walk in him. And the way that we walk in him, the way that we have life in him, is to be rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. And he says, get rooted Get rooted, get grounded, okay? Get rooted and grounded in him. Be built up and established in him so that no one takes you captive. And we see a theme here that's going on. It was going on in the first chapter. It's going on in the second chapter. Is that there are people out here that are going to try to steal from you, try to deceive you, try to take you captive, kind of going to try to lead you into error, going to try to tear you down through vain philosophy, through empty deceit, through human tradition, through religious spirits, through elements of the world, all kinds of things except Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the one that roots us and grounds us. You know, this word here, um, I, I think this, this deceit there, or to take you captive, to me, it, it, to cheat us, to, to, to uh, steal from us, it, it really has the illustration of being a plant that's planted, and somebody comes along and picks it up it plucks it. Has anybody ever done any work out in the field? Does anybody here have a garden? Nobody has a garden. Oh, we have, okay, there's a few garden people. Good. Okay, we just want to know who we can depend on in bad times so we can <laughs> eat at your house. But, but, you know, that somebody comes along and they steal your stuff and they, 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 they pluck out. And what Jesus is saying is, look, I want you to be rooted. I want you to be grounded. I want you to, to grow strong. I want your roots to grow strong so that you can't be plucked out of the garden. That you're planted so you can flourish. Psalm 92 says, they that are planted in the house of the Lord, they shall flourish. God's plan for you, God's desire for you is to flourish, is to abound, is to to be able to grow strong, to, to, to fulfill your purposes. To fulfill your purposes. And so to do that, we've got to have some roots. We've got to be rooted in Jesus Christ. We've got to be rooted in our relationships with each other. My um, favorite tree, does anybody have a favorite tree?
1: Okay, okay,
0: I, I have a favorite tree. My favorite tree is the palm tree. And, um, and so Yvette and I, when we were living on an, um, an island, we lived on an island for a few years, and, and uh, man, I loved it because I love the palm trees, love to see the wind blowing the palm trees, and the palm trees will sway and stuff, but you know, we had some hurricanes while we lived on this island, and one of the things that amazed me about palm trees was just how resilient they are. The wind would actually cause them to, to almost be, lay over where they would touch the ground, and they would... They Would just come back. And so I I was thinking about how can they do that? How can they stay in that? Well, the reason is two things. One is that they do have a great root system, they have kind of a ball of roots and it goes down, but then outside they have these other roots, and what happens is the roots get intermingled in each other. And so those roots, they, when they, 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 the tree leans one way, it's drawing strength from one of the other trees. And, and they support each other. They encourage each other. They help each other survive. Again, we're connected together. So the scripture here says that first we've got to grow some roots down so that we can grow up, so that we can flourish, so that we can be fruitful. How many people know that that's God's intention for our lives? Get some roots, get planted in the Lord. Let the Holy Spirit begin to work in us and then the fruit of his presence will manifest in our lives. So we wanna grow down so that we can grow up, that we can bear fruit, that bearing fruit so we can show love, so we can share love, so we can reach out to other people. God wants us to be people who are filled with fruit. And here's the thing I wanna get to and we're gonna wrap up with today. The third picture. The third picture that Paul uses is a picture of the church being an army, being an army. And I think he wants to be an army so we can be people who live fiercely. Now, now I pray that the Holy Spirit will really help us not just catch information in these next few moments, but catch an impartation. Because I believe that somehow or another, the enemy has come in and has caused us to, to lose our identity as a victorious, strong, mighty, powerful church. I, I believe that somehow or another we've accepted an identity of being victims, and I believe it's a lie. And Paul writes in, second, uh, in Colossians chapter 2, he writes and he says this. He says, I say this that no one may delude you. You know what to live in a delusion is? Okay? To live in a delusion means that you believe a lie so strongly that it blinds you to the truth. Maybe you've met some people who live that way. They, they, they believe their, their, their identity has been so twisted. They, they believe that they can't ever change from the life that they're living now. But how many people know with Christ all things are possible? There's never a situation that's too difficult that somebody can't change, somebody can't be redeemed, somebody can't be restored. So the scripture says here, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments for though I'm absent with the body, yet I'm with you in spirit. And he says, I rejoice to see your good order, your good order, and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Now, this good order here really is a word that has to do with uh, with discipline. And, and the implication of this in the original language is that it's like a military alignment. Have you ever seen those um, those, those demonstrations of maybe, you know, where a country is showing its military might and power and, and, and troops are marching in step and they're marching in order and they're, man, they're just, they're so aligned together and their steps are aligned together and, and their tanks, uh, they, they roll together and, and out in the ocean, the, sh- the ships, they stay in right order. And anybody ever seen those, um, what are the, the fly, guy, the fly, the blue angels? You ever seen this, how they fly and, and they're such discipline. And there's, and there's strength in this discipline. And, and so Paul is saying that listen, I want the church to be like an army in that there's order. And the order is this. The order is that every person is important, that every person has a part to play, that every person has something to give. Every person has a station, has a position, has an assignment, and they need to be in their place so that there's no gaps in the ranks, so that there's nothing that's lacking or nothing that's missing. Listen to me. Every person, no matter how young or old you are today, I'm telling you that you have a place, that you have a place in the army of God. You have a place so that the church can function in might and in power. And the good news is that our general, our king, the one who rules, the one who reigns, the one who makes the assignments, the one who puts us where we need to be, the one who gives us the gifts and the talents and the abilities of our lives, his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Listen, look to the person beside you this morning. Tell them, hey, Jesus has got a plan for you. Tell them, look to the person on the other side, say, Jesus has got a place for you. Okay? So he says, hey, I want you to be, I want you to, to, to be in your assigned position. I don't want you to just be a wall. Okay. You know, absent without leave. Okay. We, we, don't, we don't want you to be a wall because you're needed. You bring strength to the rest of the army. You bring strength to the rest of the troops. Um, Chris mentioned a couple of weeks ago in one of his messages about... um, about the, um, the conscientious objector, the Hacksaw Ridge story about how, man, one person played his part and he saved the lives of others and he encouraged people. I mean, I love those stories when you, you see somebody who just won't give up and won't quit and it blesses other people. I mean, it really, really does. Uh, Throughout the Bible, we see these type of stories. We see where God will will raise somebody up and give them anointing and give them strength to go forward. And it encourages everybody. It touches the rest of the the nation. And I tell you, God can start with you and build strength in every one of us. He goes on, the other word that he says there, he says, with firmness. So we find people who have a place. They've been trained and they've been equipped to accomplish their purposes. And then the Bible says that there's a firmness. They stand firm like an army of faith. They stand firm shoulder to shoulder, side by side, guns ready, equipped to to overcome the enemy. And I'm here to tell you today, folks, I mean this with all of my heart. I am so sick and tired of seeing Christians getting beat up by the lies and the deceit of the enemy. It's time for it to stop. It's time for us to recognize who we are. It's time to recognize that we are not weak. We are not anemic. We are not defeated. We are not cowards running for the hills. We are the army of Almighty God. We are the people of God. As a matter of fact, the scripture says that we are people who are always abounding, always abounding. You know that the Bible says that even the very gates of hell cannot stop us. We're on assignment today. Man, come back, Mary Grace. Come back and teach us what it means. Come back, okay? Show us what it means to be be equipped, to be strong, to be trained, and to be disciplined so that we can accomplish God's purposes of getting out and reaching the lost for Jesus Christ. Amen? Of showing His love every man, woman, boy, and girl. Colossians chapter 2 goes on, it says, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our trespasses and canceled the record of debt this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed. Listen to this. He disarmed. Everybody know what disarmed means? It doesn't mean he severed a limb. He disarmed means, right? It means he took away the weapons. He took away anything that could harm us. He disarmed rulers and authorities, and he put them to open shame by triumphing over them. Last week, I told you we mentioned that scripture in 1 Colossians, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, where it says, Whether thrones, dominions, rulers, or authorities, they were, okay, were all those things that try to stand against the purposes of God. But can I tell you, Jesus defeated them all in his cross, in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Anything that would seek to stand against you has been defeated. Listen, I, I, wait a minute. I, we're not part of, statistics say, That 40%, 40% of Christians do not believe that there's an enemy, do not believe that there's a devil. Okay? Now, now I, I, I'm telling you, I'm not trying to get you to believe in the devil. What I am trying to get you to know is that there's an enemy out there that he will lie to you and he will try to tell you that he is all powerful, that he is God's equal, that he has free access into your life to come and do whatever he wants. He can come and bring sickness or he can bring troubles and trials and poverty and difficulties and all those type of things. And I'm telling you today that on the basis of the finished work of God and on the finished work of Jesus, God has empowered us to be victorious over everything that would come against us, whether it's demonic, whether it's from the pit of hell, whether it's the devil himself. The scripture says that Jesus disarmed them. He took authority over them so that the only authority, church, listen up, the only authority that the enemy has against us is either illegal authority or usurped authority. It's authority that we give him And I think that it's time that as the army of God, that is the mighty, powerful people of God by his powerful spirit working in us, that we say no to the enemy. We say no more division in our homes. Come on. We say no more division in our marriages, no more conflict. Anybody ever just been in one of those situations where for no reason at all, it seems like all of a sudden you get up and you just don't like each other. You've never had one of those days, okay? We haven't either this week but, okay well today okay but but all of a sudden have you ever done have you ever just what is going on why do I feel like this why do I why is she acting like that what's going on I, I mean and all of a sudden have you ever come to the place going wait a minute This isn't us. There's something trying to influence us, to get us to believe a lie, to get us to to say, I can receive accusation about her or from her or or give accusation to her. And we say, wait a minute, that's not how God speaks. We're not going to believe the lies of the enemy. So we come together and we say, Jesus, because of the authority that you've given us, we rebuke every work of the enemy. And we say no to the devil. And do you know that if we resist the devil, what must he do? He must flee. He must leave. Hey, guys, you got to know this. you got to know this when the devil starts trying to play with your mind. Then hey, well, I don't have to give into every thought. I don't have to give into every doubt. I don't have to give into every fear. I don't have to give into every anxious thought in my life. I have the ability to say, wait a minute, that's not what the Word of God says. That's, that's not what I've received in my heart. That's not the love of God that I know. So I'm going to say to the enemy, I'm going to say to the devils, I'm going to say to the demons, go back to hell because I'm going to live in the presence of the Lord. I'm going to live in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Amen. Am I talking to the right people here today? Am I talking to the right people? I'm telling you, I just believe that we've allowed the enemy to have a heyday in our finances, in our finances. Sometimes, I'll tell you, sometimes we've made some mistakes. Sometimes we've lost our minds and pushed the Amazon button way too many times. If you have a blister on your button finger, you are an Amazon addict and you need freedom in Jesus' name. Can I tell you, there's other times. There's other times when it is an attack of the enemy we just take it as something natural. Listen, we need, we need this discernment. We need the Holy Spirit to equip our hearts and our minds so that we can stand strong against every work of the enemy. I don't want to be just losing money to to things that are, I don't want to be just wasting money. There's too much good stuff to invest in in the kingdom of God. Now listen, I'm just telling you, God wants to bless his people. He wants to pour riches. He wants to pour fullness into his people. But you know what? If we're just letting the enemy come in and steal things, God's too wise to keep pouring it into your life. So there's times when we need to say, hey, you know what? I'm not going to allow this poverty spirit. I'm not going to allow these, this, this, un, um, this unrighteous stewardship to go on in my life anymore. I'm not going to allow the enemy to come in and to steal from me anymore. We're going to come together and we're going to say, no, not by the blood of Jesus Christ. This is not how it's supposed to be. I'm taking authority over it because of the authority that Jesus gave me. One final scripture. You ready? For though we walk in the flesh we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they have divine power. Everybody say divine power. Come on, stand with me, everybody. Come on. So, so I, wanna, I want you to shout it, divine power. Divine power. Come on, one more time. Divine power. We have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty thing raised against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought and bring it into captivity to Jesus Christ, ready to, and being ready to punish every disobedience. John chapter three, John chapter, 1 John chapter three, verse eight says, Jesus came to destroy every work of the devil. Hey, it's time. No more place. We are the army of God. We are equipped by God. We are mighty in God. We are powerful in God. to not let the enemy work in our lives, work in our families, work in our finances, work in our church, work in our community, work in our nation any longer. Amen?